Monday, June 1st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Paul, we made it to June. No baseball yet, but we made it to June. We, uh, we, we, we've been uh, almost, what, three months on, uh, on quarantine, and uh, things are starting to get, uh, you know, starting to loosen up a little bit. But uh, the, the big news, the latest news, uh, overnight on Sunday night, the Major League Baseball Players Association made a counterproposal to Major League Baseball uh, that included a, a bunch of, you know, different things. But the, the main thing that was, was part of this proposal was that they didn't propose any further reductions to that prorated salary agreement that they reached in March. Uh, in fact, if, if this plan were to be adopted completely, the, the players would, would be making more money than, than that prorated uh, originally proposed because it would be for an 114-game season that would begin June 30th and take them all the way through the end of October. Uh, what did you think of, and we'll go over some of the specifics of this proposal, but just in general, what did you think of this as a counterproposal from the union? Well, I, think, I thought it was, you know, uh, um, you know kind of an anticipated uh, pr- counterproposal. You know, we had heard that, you know, they, they wanted a, they w- the players would come back and ask for more games you know, they, that they pretty much, it was pretty much, uh, they were steadfast in uh, saying they weren't going to take uh, another pay cut as, as the owners had proposed uh, last week uh, and that they were going to keep their uh, prorated uh, salaries or wanted to keep their prorated salaries. So, yeah, this was an interesting one. Uh, the 114 games. Joe, are they going to be playing until it's Christmas? I don't well, know. Uh, if it, it, almost because if they they take the regular season to the end of October, that would mean uh, you'd you'd be playing into December almost with the uh, with the postseason. Especially with uh, one of the one of the proposals or one of the parts of the proposal was that they would agree to two years of expanded playoffs, going from the the ten teams to the fourteen teams uh, over the next two seasons, uh, and that was something. That, that was sort of deemed to be appealing to Major League Baseball. Uh, I think it's going to happen one way or another. But, you know, the players' union would agree to uh, right up front two years of, of expanded playoffs. And if you've got that with 14 teams, you're talking uh, the entire month of November is going to be baseball playoffs. Yeah, and, that, and that's where the money is. And, uh, you know, they, that's what the key the owners want to get to the postseason this year. That's why they want to only play the 82 games and uh, you know, and try to get it in before there's there could be a second spike in the uh, coronavirus. Well, and, you're also running up against uh, major, uh, you know, NFL and yeah. uh, NBA. Uh, so it's also part of the the, the TV networks also want to see the the pl- the postseason wrapped up before the beginning of uh, November. Yeah, and I guess by expand, you know, giving them giving the owners two years of uh, expanded playoffs, they said uh, what it's close to. I think seven hundred seventy-seven million dollars. Wow. The the, po- the postseason is worth to the owners, so that would you know get. And that's two years of that. So um, you know maybe that may, at least maybe this is a way. At least you get a couple cornerstones in there for a deal. You know, obviously, I don't think. You know, there's going to be some back. Still going to be some back and forth on this. But Joe, when you know, I think their proposal, the players' proposal, said you could start. The season in Ju- at June thirtieth, right? Is that it? 
And then, right. uh, so when do you start spring training? I mean, uh, yesterday, no spring training. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if, if they're looking for three weeks worth of spring training, that, that means this has got to get done by Saturday. Yeah. You're going to start tomorrow. I yeah, mean, pretty on. much. Uh, some of the other propo- parts of this proposal up to a hundred million dollars in deferrals. Uh, if the postseason is canceled or cut short on salaries that are $10 million or above, there's, there's only a, a, a you know, a, a small percentage of salaries in major league baseball that are $10 million a year or more. So, you know, that $100 million in deferrals would be paid out uh, this November, or I'm sorry, next November and the following November with interest. Uh, and, and teams with $7 million are, would also get, the teams with the largest payrolls would also get up to $7 million in salary relief. So they're, they're, they're trying to sort of work with the league in terms of understanding that when there's no fans in the stands, there's, there's going to be a shortfall. So, you know, they still want to get their money. They, they're just accepting of the fact that they can get it over the next two years right. rather than right up front. Uh, this $100 million lump sum at the, uh, at the beginning of spring training next year sort of to cover for all those shortcomings uh, that they can get and expenses. Is that next year? Like that would be for I, next year. Okay, yeah, for next, next spring. spring. That, I thought it was. I thought it was now. You know, I thought. Well, it it's in addition to the. It's in addition to the 170 million that they got right. back in March. Yeah. So okay. this would be another 100 million spread out to everybody, but to to cover the sort of expenses of you know, getting a, a place out in Arizona or wherever they're moving expenses, things like that. Uh, and they would also provide additional access for TV broadcasts, like wearing mics during games and special programming, like a home run derby or the all-star game, which could also, you know, become a whole thing, you know, a postseason all-star game, a postseason home run derby. That'd be kind of, kind of interesting yeah, I, to see. I don't know, Joe. I, I mean, you got to be a really a baseball fan if you're going to watch an all-star game in December somewhere. In December, gonna, yeah. Is it going to be like the NFL, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, pro ball where nobody <laughs> does anything. You just kind of play tag. Well, and you're talking about pitchers and, and guys who have been probably out of, you know, out of training for more than a month at a time if they're going to be in that. So, you know, is is Garrett Cole going to want to come back and, and pitch in an All Star game in December and blow his arm out? I yeah, I, I don't, don't know about think that. So. I mean, yeah, and and uh, yeah, by by the time if you go through all the postseason, if your team is in the postseason, you're gonna you guys are gonna go play an All Star game. I I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they into maybe they just into, an All Star team. Into late November, you'd have a Thanksgiving uh, game seven of the World Series, and then uh, and and then turn around and have the All Star game right after that. Uh, probably not ideal, but you know, if it's a way to make money and generate uh, yeah, TV revenue, yeah. I think that's that's got to right. be that's, on the that's, table. That's what, yeah, that's that's the key there, definitely. So, well, so the other thing that the sort of the the big elephant in the room with this proposal. And this is the first time we've really heard anything like this and gotten an indication from the players that this is a mood or a feeling among them. Uh, this also includes an opt-out clause for players, for any player that doesn't want, want to play during the season because of the coronavirus or exposure. Uh, this, this would provide relief for uh, high-risk players, such as a Carlos Carrasco, who's immunocompromised, uh, and, and allow them to not play the season with no penalty, they would, they would earn their, their full prorated salary. But then it also has a, a caveat that says 
any player who's not high risk, who doesn't want to play, can just not play and would earn their would accrue their service time, but not be paid their salary. Right. That's interesting because you know um, I I listened to Manfred. He was on CNN a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of alluded to that. Said we wouldn't have a problem if a guy really didn't want to play, and we we try to work with them. And if he wanted to come back, we could, you know, we'd let him back. Uh, but now the players have kind of picked up on that as well. And, um, you know, what do you think about Carrasco? Do you think he's going to play? I, I think he's going to pitch. I, I think he's, he wants to get out there and, and, and play. I, every indication I've seen and, and just following, I particularly follow him very closely on, on social media, on all platforms. And he's at the ballpark when he's, he's here pitching and, and working out, he's, he doesn't, he looks like he's not even affected by any of a, the, the leukemia diagnosis, the cancer or anything like that, or any concern about anything that's going on with the coronavirus. I, I really don't get any indication from him that he, he wouldn't pitch, but you know, that could all change. I, I'm sure yeah. if it, it could, the right doctor come, come along and tell you, you know, not to, but as of right now, I, I don't think Carl, Carlos Carrasco's changing course at all. I think he wants to be back out on that mound. Yeah, and when we we talked to Carl Willis, I mean, what he said, he just talked to uh, Carrasco and uh, said he threw a three-inning bullpen, you know. And and so if you're doing that, if you're putting in all that work, I would think he's re- he's going to be ready to pitch. But who knows? Like you said, I mean, uh, if the doctors, if something comes up, you know, in, between now and whenever they they reach a settlement. Maybe he doesn't, but right. uh, and and I'm all for that. I'm all for Carlos Carrasco pitching as long as he's he's safe and healthy. As long as he's he he knows he's safe and healthy, then by all means put him out there because you know just we know what he can do when he's when he's hundred percent. He can he can really be an asset to the to the rotation. So, but again, the priorities have to be in the right spot. So, what's the next step with this counter proposal now? Uh, we. Like we said, this has to. If if things are going to happen, if this if this plan is going to go into motion, things really have to happen by the end of this week. Yeah, I think you know that you probably got. Oh boy, you know, you probably got a week, week or week and a half of wiggle room here, and then you're gonna then you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to kind of fish or cut bait here, mm-hmm. and uh, if if this is really it, or you know, I've heard you know. A long time ago, I heard that August 1st was the drop-dead date, and somebody else said, no, it's, there is no drop-dead date. So, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what to believe, but if, you're gonna, if the players want to play 114 games or somewhere between 82 and 114 games, you got to get this thing going, you know. And we're, uh, we're seeing in, you know, at least in one other sport, the NBA, where they're still debating the sort of the form of a return to play for them. Uh, I've actually seen – with that team, with that league, that some teams might not be called back to play if they if they do a one site, uh, sort of tournament format thing, or you know, re, a brief, uh, regular season couple of games, and then go right into the playoffs. Uh, the Cavaliers might not even make the make the uh, the regular season portion of that uh, situation. So, you know, just to have all thirty major league baseball teams back up and going and and a plan in place. You gotta believe a, a week from today, if we're not sitting here talking about scheduling as opposed to you know what are they going to do it or not, uh, then things aren't looking good. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Maybe they change plans and 
they play a 30-game schedule. I think one way or the other, they're going to, you know, I'd, re- I'd be stunned if they canceled this thing, you know, just said, would throw their hands up and say, we're not, we're not going to play. But, you know, the, the, there is, you know, there is a factor that owners say they, they, they lose more money. They'll lose more money playing games in empty ballparks than if they didn't play games at all. Right. So. Well, you got to also think about all the other operations type people who are involved and who are going to need compensation and, and where's that money going to come from uh, as, as if the owners aren't willing to provide certain documentation to the players to show them uh, financial hardship because of this, then we're at an impasse until the, until they can move past all that. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh it's a tough situation for sure. You got the, and uh, clearly not the toughest situation going on in the country right now. Paul. No, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely not. There's a lot of unrest and uh, hopefully everything gets uh, calmed. Everything calms down. But, uh, yeah, no, it is uh, it's crazy. crazy. Well, right now, right now we've got downtown Cleveland blocked off by uh, the, the National Guard. Uh, you can't access it uh, because of the, the rioting and the unrest in the downtown area over the weekend. And, you know, we've seen players from across sport, not just uh, Major League Baseball, uh, speaking out about it, but you know, uh, basketball players, football players have, have all voiced their opinions on it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see in the, in the coming weeks what kind of reactions we get out of players uh, just about the, the George Floyd uh, protests and uh, the violence and everything that's, that's come down uh, just in the last few days about this. But uh, like we said, owners and players squabbling about, you know, who gets paid and who, who makes what money. Uh, while there's a, a national crisis and a pandemic going on, uh, it's it really just sort of puts things in perspective for everybody. Yeah, and it, it continues the bad look on both parties. I mean, you got to have a little bit of feel for what's going on in the country, and uh, you know, now is not the time to be, you know, arguing. You know, trying to split up the pie here, just to make a decision one way or the other, and. It's just it's just a frightening thing right now that you know just just never the story never changes with this you know it just right. hopefully we we come to some kind of agreement where we can just you know just get along you know right. just and jeez no I agree all right uh, Paul let's uh, let let's take a deep breath here and jump into some questions submitted by our listeners and our readers on subtext uh, indian subtext go to cleveland.com slash subtext or call uh send a text to 216-208-4346 to subscribe 399 a month and you can get uh, direct messages texts from paul and myself regarding the indians major league baseball and as soon as we have an agreement as soon as we have a schedule as soon as we have games getting ready to be played you'll be the first to find out on subtext uh, on cleveland.com it's also the way to submit your questions exclusively for our podcasts. Uh, subtext, cleveland.com slash subtext for the Indians uh, version of that service. Uh, Paul, uh, what do we got in terms of questions from our, our, our listeners and our readers? Uh, here's one from Jim from Los Angeles. Uh, with the possibility of a shortened season, st- with, with the possible shortened season still in flux, 
do the Indians regret not trading Lindor a few months ago, or, or, or do they feel the market for him will still be there at the end of this year? Uh, if you're asking, are teams still going to very much want Francisco Lindor in the offseason? Yes, they, that, that market will not soften. Uh, however, what the return might, might soften for sure. I think right now, the shorter the season gets, uh, the shorter the, the, the possibility, if it's an 82-game season or if it's less than that, I think the decision to hold on to Lindor was a great one. I mean, the best player on your team is one of the best players in baseball, and he's going to give you the best chance to win in a shortened season. That's a, that's a, a perfect position for the club. Uh, you, you've got him for 82 games. You you let him go you know, all out for 82 games and, and see how you end up at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't have, you know, they didn't see this coming, you know, when they made yeah. the decision to keep him. And then when it hit, when the season got canceled, you know, when the season got delayed, the, the rosters were frozen and you couldn't make a deal. So, you know, I think you, you make a decision like this and you live with it. And it's not a bad thing to have a, you know, a switch hitting shortstop that can hit close to, you know, 35 to 40 home runs a year. And hopefully he gets hot in the, in a shortened season if it's 82 to who knows, 82 to 114 games. Maybe he's the first guy to hit 400 since uh, Ted Williams. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> – It wouldn't if, count, but it wouldn't count as bad. But <laughs> if Francisco Lindor goes out there and puts up an MVP caliber season for the Indians, you're talking about them being one of the top two or three teams in the American League. Yeah, because, every, you know, if they've got the pitching, you know, you've got, you know, bullpen a little shaky we don't know about, but – you know, if Lindor hits and, and Ramirez hits, you're going to have – it's going to be a decent offense. So, uh, you know, it's it, it, they've got a chance to be, a, a, you know, a playoff team. So the answer to that question was no, I don't think the Indians are regretting their position right now, it, you know, all things considered. This is from uh, Mitchell from Oklahoma. Wow. Uh, do you think the virus can be used as a positive to change the fin- financial landscape of baseball? Um all other major sports appear to have teams able to retain star players. Baseball is the only sport where everyone knows which team can afford certain players. I have grown tired of these 10-year, 10, 10 $300 million deals that only a handful of teams are willing to dish out. So basically, he's the question there from our friend in Oklahoma is, can baseball use the pandemic as an excuse to institute a salary cap? That's that's that is just a, a, a ridic- not ridiculous, but just awful thought. <laughs> Hundred thousand people are dead because of this pandemic, and and you want to use it as an excuse to institute a uh, a salary cap? No, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and, and I, I don't, think I don't see a salary cap coming in anyway. So yeah, yeah, I missed I missed part of this question, Joe. He said I think he, in reference he was referring to you know perhaps this would give the Indians a chance to keep Lindor, you know, at a reasonable contract. But, you know, I, I, I don't see, uh, you know, I think some teams are going to be in a little different, you know, difficult uh, financial situation coming out of this, uh, this, uh, this season, one way, if, if they play or if they don't play. But I don't see the structure of baseball changing. I think no. it, there's, there's not going to be a salary cap. There's, you're going to have the haves and the have-nots. You've had that since baseball started over a hundred years ago, and uh, 
You know, I think that situation is going to stay. And, you know, I I think people sometimes forget that the Indians aren't the only players team that that loses big name players that that can't afford them. You know, uh, Kansas City went through the same thing. They won the World Series in 2015. And now they're coming off a 104 loss season. So, you know, it's unless you're the Yankees and the Red Sox and even the Red Sox were Trade move the Red back. Sox are, call, are are crying poor now as well. So, and and the Washington Nationals what cut their minor leaguers a hundred bucks off their minor league minor leaguers stipend? They're only going to pay them three hundred a week instead of four hundred, and they just won the World Series. So. Right, and and I think the players, the Nationals players, actually came together and and are are helping make up the difference on that. They're going to pay him a thousand dollars a what a month or something something to that effect. yeah yeah that was that was a, a great gesture but and so <laughs> you know i don't think you know the virus is going to change it's going to hurt obviously it's going to hurt every team but it's it's not going to change the way the way the mlb and the mlbpa do business i, I it's not going to change the way teams you know you know feel about talent if you got talent they're going to pay for it I got one more here, Jim. All right, one more. From Bill Drummer from Wasian. It was announced that Can- the Kansas City Royals are not cutting any minor leaguers and are, are paying them through August, which is essentially, essentially the entire season. I think that the Indians should have kept our minority owner here. Uh, that, is, that is how the small market teams should operate. Well, I mean <laughs> – I mean, you're talking about uh, uh, John, John Sherman, Sherman right. you know, who who was the Indians minor league owner and, uh, you know, was and left to bu- purchase the, the Kansas City Royals, which is his hometown team. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would I would think Paul Dolan would have loved to keep Sherman here. Obviously, you know, he had a Paul Dolan would have loved to keep Sherman's money here. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I don't think. It was a matter of him not being able to keep him here. I think it was an opportunity, an, an opportunity for Sherman to go and buy the team that he, you know, in 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 his own city where he lives, and it's probably an opportunity he couldn't pass up. He was, you know, and you know, but look, you know, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for too. He he buys the team, spends over what a billion dollars for one for the for the Royals coming off a hundred and four loss season. And it's uh, you know, June first, and they haven't played a game yet. So, and he's right. looking at uh, you know a season where you might not play baseball, and you know a really big financial losses. Yeah, he just took, he just paid a hundred uh, a billion dollars, and now is, is going to have to you know take a, an additional hit in terms of having to pay out salaries without making any money off of gate receipts. So, yeah, tough uh, tough situation for for John Sherman, but uh, the Indians. Are, are would have been, you know, I'm sure if they would have been able to keep John Sherman on uh, just to keep his money in, in, in the flow. That's, that was how they, they went from a, a good team on the cusp in 2016 to, to making it to the World Series was they were able to afford to, to make a trade to cover Andrew Miller's salary if, if they brought in a, a minority partner like John Sherman. So, uh, yeah, maybe there's another John Sherman out there for the Indians. Who knows? Yeah, there. I, you know, I, they, 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 it took Dolan so long to find Sherman, just the right guy. And you know, 
Sherman was a guy that was looking, you know, most of these guys that get into this business like Sherman and at the size of he got, the, you know, with the investment he made in the Indians, which was, you know, considerable, you're not looking to, to buy, to be the, you know, the minority owner for too long. Right. I mean, he had a deal in place uh, to, to purchase a majority share of the Indians, which, you know, that, that was in the works. And then he, you know, flipped over and, and bought the uh, Royals. So, right. You know, they, I mean, they do, it's like the Haslam's with the, uh, with the Browns. You do that to sort of be in training, to be an owner, to get a foot in the door, to, to get to yeah. establish a foothold and, 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 you know, be on the league's radar and, and, and so that the owners will, will, will vote you when you want to, you know, take over a team. So yeah, that, that's the reason he, he made that investment in the Indians was to make him more appealing as an owner, whether it be the Indians or anywhere else. And he, exactly. he, just happened to get the team that he wanted to get. So. Yeah, so I mean, they, uh, all Paul Dolan has to do is find another guy that you know has so much money that his next uh, venture is to buy a big league ball club. There you go. He wants to learn the ropes. All right. Well, uh, just looking back on our our Indians history posts for the uh, over the weekend in the last couple of days, uh, we had a post about Shane Bieber's birthday. Can you believe Shane Bieber was? 22 when he got the call and turned 23 on the day he made his major league debut uh, back in 2018 at Minnesota. I, I just I, I still can't believe how how young he was and how young he still is. He's 25 uh, as of as of Sunday. Uh, just to to see the development over the last two seasons and and, and to know that he's still got you know years ahead of him in the, in this game. I just it impressive. Yeah, definitely. And uh, today, and today uh, we had a story on Corey Kluber um, in 2017, uh, going on a remarkable run. Uh, 14 straight starts uh, of eight or more strikeouts. I think he 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 missed the whole month of May, um, basically with a bad back, and then came back and went finished the rest of the year at 15 and two, some crazy number and. 265 strikeouts, 203 innings. And I think there's a correlation between the two, Joe. I mean, right. if you look at Bieber, if you look at Kluber, uh, you know, you, they kind of, uh, you know, they kind of go about their work the same way, you know, very efficient, very routine oriented guys that, you know, you give the ball to every five days and, and uh, you know, they go out and produce, you know, there's going to be a bad one in there every now and then, but a lot of strikeouts from both guys. You know, no few, very few walks, and uh, you know they don't. They're not throwing a hundred miles an hour, and it's just uh, interesting that uh, you know I, I I had just forgotten how how dominant Kluber was. You know, I guess you're too close to it sometimes. But right. you look at those numbers in that 2017 run. He wins his second Cy Young, and in that four or five year period, he won two Cy Youngs, finished third twice. And finished ninth once. I mean, that's 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 a that's a heck of a run, right? And you know, had the Indians been able to finish it off with a World Series in 2016, you might be talking about a, a Hall of Fame profile. Yeah. You know, it, it just for those for that you know six year stretch or whatever that that that's the kind of profile that gets you into the Hall of Fame, you know, multiple Cy Youngs and a, and a World Series. But, and unfortunately, uh, you know, he ran into some trouble the last what in 18 and 19, right? I mean, uh, 17 and 18 in, in the postseason. So, and that's what people seem to be fixated on. But this guy, I mean, when you look at the, the over the long haul of a season, 
those five years, I mean, wow. And, and you, you try to draw a correlation between Kluber and, and, and Bieber. I can tell you one, one area that they're completely different, and that's in, uh, you know, post-game interviews and, and talking to the media. Shane, Shane Bieber uh, will, will never turn you down. He will always have a big smile on his face. He's always got a second for you. Uh, Corey Kluber, uh, not necessarily as, as, as warm and friendly with the media, but uh, still a, a good guy. And, and once you get talking to him, he's, he's pretty good. I just yeah, I always totally thought Kluber, different. Yeah, yeah, totally different vibe. But I always thought Kluber was kind of, you know, he was like, he looked like he was going to the dentist when he, when he <laughs> came into the interview room. But I always thought he was kind of like, you know, yanking our chain a little bit. Just, uh, you know, you just saw one side of Kluber in the interview room. And I, I bet he was a, a little bit of a different guy with his teammates. Right, absolutely. All right, Hoinsey, uh, we'll keep our, uh, our sort of ears to the, to the ground and, and listening to see if there's any sort of development in terms of another uh, proposal or a counterproposal from Major League Baseball. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's got to happen sometime. We, we, we've got to get uh, something out of this. We've also got the draft coming up at the uh, end of this week, so we'll see where we go with that. Uh, providing coverage on cleveland.com. Good yeah. to talk to you on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast, and we'll, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Good, de- good deal, Joe.